0: old dogs, and welcome to Fun Facts Friday. This is our once a week, only on Friday show, where we have special episodes, not featuring guests, where I will share tricks, tips, terminology, and techniques that will help skyrocket you to real estate investing success. Today's topic is how to reduce REI risk in tough economic times. But I'd like to touch base with you guys and just uh, see how everybody's doing and hoping that uh, your real estate investing efforts are going well. I know that uh, it's a different kind of market out there right there. So I think we really got to look at kind of every angle and every aspect of, of, um, you know, what what our options are as we get involved. And uh, that'll bring us back to our topic, how to reduce REI risk in tough economic times. Now, as I mentioned a few weeks ago in these final episodes of 2022, um, I'm going to try to provide my best content for you guys. I really want to you know, provide you something that you can really, really add value to what you're trying to do in real estate. And uh, uh, I'm going to be sharing a lot more of my personal experiences and uh, trying to help you to better prepare for, for what's ahead. And uh, I uh, received a review from, well, it just has a, his kind of his, uh, I don't know what you call it, his, his name uh, uh, in a review. Sometimes people have, you know, they pick, get to pick whatever name they want, but it's is from SC Investor. I think he might be somebody from South Carolina, maybe. I don't know, or USC or anyway. Uh, back in May, um, I got this review from him and I thought, I thought it was really uh, poignant. And uh, he or she, maybe it's not a guy, but anyway, uh, they wrote, I am 54 and just entering the world of real estate investing. At our age, risk is something we cannot afford without taking careful consideration. Your podcast really helps me drive past those fears and concerns. Well, thank you for your comment and kind words, SC Investor. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we work a lifetime to build up our assets for retirement. And yet, if we're not careful, we could lose all of that overnight. And as a lot of people saw in 2008 and other times in bad economies, if we're not careful. So uh, you inspired me to put together this episode so that maybe we can address ways to reduce risk in uncertain economic times. So, you know, one of the greatest advantages to real estate versus stocks is the predictability of real estate investing returns. When you buy a rental property, you can generally accurately predict, to a fair degree anyway, your average annual yield and cash flow, at least in the beginning. And while I have for decades invested in stocks too, they're as volatile as a bipolar teenager with raging hormones. That's not really my quote, but somebody else said that. I think it's kind of strange. But anyway, still, real estate is not without its risk. They are real enough in their own right. For bad tenants, to bad cash flow, to bad contractors, to natural disasters, Anyone looking to buy rental properties needs to plan for and mitigate common real estate investing risks. So I am listing here uh, 12, th- yeah, 12 or 13 ways to mitigate the risks of real estate investing and to hopefully come out ahead when you're buying rental properties. And uh, let me just jump right into them here. Number one, invest for cash flow and appreciation. Now, at the Old Dogs REI Network, cash flow is king. We say that every week. But when I can, I always try to also make money the day I buy a property. So in other words, I always try to buy you know, under market value uh, properties or maybe one that might be a little bit distressed that I had to do, just a little bit of tweaking, a, a little rehab or upgrade here and there, and uh, that to build in that additional equity in that property when I buy. Now many investors blindly count on future appreciation in their rental properties, but I wanna know up front that I have that extra equity already built in. I don't like to speculate on any of my investments, but I do like to make money when I spend money. It's also smart to purchase properties in emerging markets to hedge your bet. But whenever you know the word bet is involved, of course you know there is risk. If you look at nationwide real estate trends, home prices usually go up in value. Individual properties, neighborhoods, and towns can all experience drops in home value, but they eventually go back up. Even on a nationwide level, home prices can fall, look no further than the 27.42% drop in the Case-Shiller Home Index during the Great Recession. But that's why cash flow is king. Rents prove far more resilient. Even as home prices were in free fall, rents didn't dip at all during that Great Recession. And maybe they did in some key areas, but most of them didn't. So all you have to do is check the Census Bureau um, index and rents simply flattened for a couple of years before steep increases during the 2010s. Cash flow is more predictable. You know the market rent, you know the purchase price and prospective mortgage payment and you should know your long-term average expenses. Number two, use the buy and hold strategy. Yeah, there are a ton of ways to invest in real estate, but during these economic times, I, I would avoid things that uh, that have higher risks than usual. Things like uh, flipping or wholesaling or buying on speculation because, you know, you don't want to have to rely on market cycles. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't ever sell. The beauty of buy and hold is you can afford to wait for your property to appreciate. I was fortunate enough to, to buy a property in 2016 for $350,000, and I sold it six years later for $1.2 million. This is on top of solid cash flow for all six of those years. You don't always get that, and it was an unusual time, sort of post-recession, where all of us were getting some great returns. Number three, don't buy it just because it's cheap. Now, this is a mistake that I made early on when I first went into real estate. I I loved seeing you know properties for $50,000 and less and thought, wow, I could get a whole bunch of these, but in reality... Uh, you really, really have to do your homework. And uh, it may seem like a dream when you buy it at the price, but it can turn out to be a nightmare overnight. And I, in those early days of real estate investing, I, I bought a number of them and spent years regretting it. They look good on paper because cash flow calculations usually don't account for hidden costs like vandalism, break-ins, professional tenants gaming the system to draw out the eviction process. For that matter, even numbers included in the calculations, such as vacancy rates, maintenance, and property management costs, tend to be wrong because of the high turnover rate and high property damage. Yes, there's a niche for buying homes in the hood or becoming a Section 8 landlord, but unless you go to great pains to learn that niche and hopefully have some sort of a mentor who specializes them to teach you, I would say avoid low-end rental properties, especially in this kind of a market, and save yourself a world of pain and unforeseen real estate investing risks. Don't buy less than a B-class property. Number four, focus on multifamily rentals. Now, I've talked about this quite a bit, but if you have a choice between buying a single-family home in a the, in the duplex, buy the duplex again you're reducing your risk if you have a vacancy then it's only a 50% vacancy and not a 100% vacancy uh, fourplex is even better you know you'd only have a 25% vacancy with single family homes if one unit is empty you're not getting any rent you're underwater each month on the other hand if you want a fourplex or One unit is empty. You're probably still cash flowing a little, and that can be enough to get you through a couple of months until you find your next renter. Larger apartments are even better. Number five, make money when you buy. I mentioned that one on number one when I talked about uh, buying with appreciation if you can. One way to mitigate real estate investing risk is to buy value. Value investing means finding properties priced below market value. The single family rental market, this could be as straightforward as searching for just underpriced properties. But as it happens, there are several other approaches to think about value. Investing in a rental house with rental rates that are lower compared to the prevalent market rate provides a shot to raise rents and keep your cash flows. Another wise course of action would be to find a property that, with little inexpensive improvements or more up-to-date services, could elevate the property's value or tenant appeal or both. Ultimately, keeping a close eye on future developments and buying in areas before housing prices start to climb can also be great ways to always make certain that your investment can offer you stable returns many years from now. Number six, set criteria and stick with it when buying rental properties be sure to buy it right what does that mean it means that every time you buy a property you have predefined criteria and only buy properties that meet that criteria never compromise one of the most important criteria is the cash flow i I like to use a threshold of 10 percent cash on cash return if possible If a property brings in less than that, I generally won't buy the property. There are, of course, exceptions to this rule. For example, if a property has a considerable amount of untapped hidden value. By ensuring a certain minimal level of cash flow, you are mitigating your risk. Even if rents drop slightly in the next downturn, you'll still have some cushion to be able to absorb a drop. Number seven, buy the types of properties that people will live in during the recession. This is why I've never bought luxury properties or or type A or class A properties. Um, Class A properties, you know, think of like the more modern apartment building covered in glass with a dog park or pool or a sweet tutor house with a backyard in a neighborhood. Uh, These are the properties that rent for maybe, you know, $2,500 and above on a monthly basis. These are not my typical rentals. I buy B and C plus properties. Why think about what will happen to a person who is living above their means in an A property and who loses their job during the next downturn. Where does that person go? They will be moving into our B or C plus properties. Likewise, if there's an upswing in the market and everyone has jobs, the people in the D and C class go up to the B class. I believe the sweet spot for rentals is in the middle. That way you can benefit from an upswing and weather a storm during a downturn. Number eight, focus on smaller units, especially two bedrooms. So if you're buying you know, an apartment or you're buying a duplex, for example, um, you know, if you can get a two bedroom or, or more two bedroom type apartments, uh, that would be great. What happens when there's a recession and people can no longer afford their current housing? As I mentioned, they move into a cheaper place from B to C properties, uh, for example. Not only that, they also tend to downsize. This is where the two-bedroom unit comes into play. The two-bedroom, in my opinion, is the most versatile of all the rental unit sizes for people living on tight budgets and looking to downsize. It is affordable, but still has space for a family with one, two, or even three children. It can work for a single person or a couple who wants an extra room for an office. It can house a single person and a roommate, which uh, could be a room that can be rented out to generate a little bit more income to offset rent. When you have a desirable product that is in high demand, your risk goes down. Number nine, make your property the nicest on the block. In a downturn, vacancies tend to go up and the options for housing increase significantly. So how do you ensure that your house isn't the one that sits vacant during a downturn? How about making it the nicest on the block? The great thing about making your property the nicest on the block is that during good economic times, you can demand premium rents. I'm not saying you need to go crazy with stainless steel refrigerators and granite, but a a little upkeep and slightly higher finishes above your community norm is a good way to mitigate risk for the long term. Number 10, Put properties in LLCs. As with any business, owning rental properties opens you up to the possibility of being sued. The key is separating the rentals from each other and from your personal finances. You do this by putting each property in its own LLC or a series LLC, and then you treat each LLC as its own business. You get separate EIN numbers, you get separate bank accounts, I would also recommend that your LLCs be held by another LLC in states such as, you know, Delaware, Nevada, Wyoming, that allow for anonymous ownership. That way, it's even tougher to track the owner of a particular property. Is it a lot of work? Yes, it is. Is it a pain? Yes, it is. But isn't it more painful to have a renter sue you, take all your properties and your personal residence, and garnish your wages? I'll leave that one for you to answer number 11 get good insurance although the llc gives you some level of protection you'll also want to have good insurance coverage paying a little extra for good coverage that also covers natural disasters is key you want to not only get adequate coverage for the property but you also want to get good umbrella insurance a good umbrella insurance policy as well I would save at least a million dollars to protect you from frivolous lawsuits and to cover anything above what the property insurance doesn't cover. Number 12, buy in multiple states locations. This is one of the main ways that I decided to further mitigate my risk early on in my investment career. I had some markets that looked really good and, uh, and then there were others that looked good too but if a market should go sour or maybe a downturn on a local level by being in multiple markets you have the opportunity to be able to maybe even sell off the ones that are losing money or the ones that have gone down and uh, focus on those that are doing good when i thought about how to lower my risk uh, you know for things like natural disasters and extreme market shifts i realized that diversifying into other markets was a way to minimize the chances that my whole portfolio could go down at once. Therefore, I spread my investments over several states and markets." Well, that is it for today. Uh, Real estate is a massive asset class, and its popularity with investors is well-deserved. An investor who exercises prudence and diligence prior to investing, as I've outlined in this podcast, can benefit from the safety, security, and low volatility of this asset class while avoiding undue risk. While most investors aspire to own a real asset as a foundation of their investment portfolio, it is important to evaluate the underlying risk before making the investment. If you invest in real estate with the right knowledge and perspective and give your investment the time to perform that it deserves, it could be not only a fruitful investment, but also an enjoyable journey combined with the pleasure of ownership of a hard, tangible asset that no other asset class can match. If all that sounds like a lot, well, at least you have control over your real estate investing returns by being able to lower your risk. How much control do you have over your stock returns? Well, not that much. (laughs) So remember, if you're not able to accurately predict your rental property returns, you maybe are doing it wrong. Follow the tactics that I've mentioned here to reduce your real estate investing risk and enjoy ongoing high-yield rental income for years to come. Well, that's it for now. Please note, old dog listeners, everything presented here can be accessed in our detailed show notes. On the old dogs website at old dogs network.com forward slash blog and look for the episode entitled how to reduce rei risk in tough economic times well that's the show for today remember cash flow is king and real estate investing the means until next time keep moving forward and may god bless thank you very much for visiting the old dogs rei network We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.